0: Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7, your home to the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. Baltimore hosting its first conference championship game since the Colts in the early 70s. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the Sports Zone by our longtime Sports Zone guest, uh, Luke Jones of WNST.net. Luke, let's start with Lamar Jackson. Uh, He apparently delivered a passionate halftime speech uh, last Saturday uh, before they dominated the uh, second half against the Texans. Uh, I've heard it mentioned, especially since last Saturday, that Lamar has become more of a vocal leader. You get to see this every day. How has Lamar evolved in that aspect over the years?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Bob, I think it's a subtle thing. I I, I don't think Lamar, uh, let's be clear, he's not Ray Lewis. Uh, and he's never going to be Ray Lewis in in terms of being in front of the camera and that passionate, you know, you don't see him coming dancing out of the tunnel or anything like that. But I think he's someone that over the years has become more comfortable being more vocal as he's gotten a little bit older. And the sense I've gotten from talking to a number of players, not just about Saturday night, but times where he's spoken up, it carries a lot of weight. And well, it should when you're talking about one of the best players on the planet, but I think he is one of those guys that might be a little more selective when he does speak up. But when he does, it carries a lot of clout. So you know, John Horvall you know, kind of walked back the, the significance of it uh, when, when he spoke to media on Monday. I, I think in part just to say that, hey, Lamar's been a leader for us. Uh, you know, This isn't the first time he's spoken up. It won't be the last time. And, and I think it was just more of a sense of, hey, we're fine. It's 10-10. We didn't play our best football, but we're right there get the ball to start the second half let's go out and play and lamar did mention there were a few more four-letter words mixed in there but (laughs) i I don't think it was this groundbreaking speech as much as it was just hey let's get going you know we're we're better than this we're better than the texans and everyone knew that uh but it was just a matter of going out there putting together some drives adjusting to the houston blitz and they did that and they did that in emphatic fashion in the second half with 24 unanswered points so uh, that leadership thing uh, it's Certainly been a storyline over the last few years in terms of him becoming a little more vocal. But, again, he still tends to lean to be more of a lead-by-example type. But when he does speak up, it certainly carries clout.
0: You mentioned that first half. In fact, I was going to get into that next, so here we go. Uh, You know, just watching on television, there's no doubt that the Texans, uh, their surprising heavy level of blitz approach in that game was effective. How did Ravens offensive coordinator Todd Munkin adjust to, in the second half after that first half?
1: I mean, I think it was really simple. I don't think it was anything all that over the top as far as what they did. They just went to a little more of a quick game. You know, I, I think I remember talking to you back, way back in week two. The Ravens were so banged up with their offensive line and you know, we're going yeah. to Cincinnati, and I, I said at that time, just got a little more quick game. I mean, you look at some of the routes that the Ravens were trying to run against that blitz, I mean, they were all downfield. And I think they very much wanted to come out and be aggressive and grab a big lead early and just kind of lean into their running game that way. But it didn't happen. But then they come out in the second half, and they gave more and more answers in terms of hots and and shorter routes. And and the ball came out. I think Next Stats had it that the ball came out Uh, over a full second quicker on on average in the Mm. second half than it did the first. So, you know, it it wasn't anything outrageous as far as the adjustment. It's just, hey, they're going to blitz you a lot. You're not going to be able to wait for these intermediate intermediate to long uh, developing routes, you know, to to manifest. So you have to have some answers, and they did that. And then uh, after they did that, Houston backed off a little bit, and then that's when they really were able to start pounding them with the running game. So – I think, you know, it was pretty simple, but it was very frustrating for them. I mean, you probably, as I wrote at our station's website, probably have to go back to, I don't know, week five, the second half of that ugly loss they had at Pittsburgh, just kind of an inexplicable loss for their offense to just go in the tank the way it did in that second quarter with three straight three and out. I mean, it's been that high of a standard for them, but they made the adjustment and then their offense was cooking the rest of the way.
0: Back to Lamar. He certainly improved as a passer. How much of that is Lamar? How much of that is scheme? And how much of it is the improved wide
1: receiver room? I think the answer is just yes, Bob. <laughs> I mean, it, it really <laughs> look. I mean, it, it, it's all of those things. And you and I, we've probably talked, I don't know, over a dozen times. So over the course of Lamar's career here in Baltimore, we talked a lot about Greg Roman's scheme. We talked about the Ravens not having – uh, enough talent at the wide receiver position. And, yes, we talked about times where Lamar, you know, whether we're talking about his footwork or his release, whatever it might be, could stand to be a little more consistent. He's always been uh, a, a good passer, uh, you know, regardless of what his harshest critics have tried to say. But he certainly has grown in that way. And, and I think a big key has been, yes, the the talent they added at wide receiver was A. Flowers and Nelson Aguilar caught a touchdown, Odell Beckham. While he hasn't been a $15 million receiver, he's had his moments. Isaiah Likely, a tight end, stepping up big time for an injured Mark Andrews. I still do go back to Todd Munkin, really empowering Lamar. You know, it, it, In 2019, when he led the league in touchdown passes, and I, and I don't say this as a knock on him because that was a historically great season. He was a unanimous MVP for a reason. He, he deserved all the accolades. But back then with their passing game, it felt like it was all much more complimentary. You know, we're kind of like, okay, Lamar, here's where you're going to throw it. And then he'd throw it and he'd execute it. Now it's much more a case of him being in command. He has much more power to change plays at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think he has much more influence in what they do from a route concept standpoint. And and he's taken that ownership and he's run with it. So it really is all those, you know, those three uh, options that you presented, all of them have played a a substantial part. But uh, I think the difference now, the biggest difference, because, Statistically, it wasn't like he had this overwhelming statistical season, especially compare it to what he did four years ago when he was MVP. But just the eyeball test, play to play, series to series, quarter to quarter, game to game, week to week. I mean, it it really is just a sense of Lamar's running the show much more than he was back then, and his execution down the stretch has just been second to none. So it, it has been a variety of those factors, but I don't want to stop short and credit number eight for. The individual growth that that he's had here over the last couple of years.
0: Talking Ravens, and uh, we'll get eventually here some preview of the Chiefs game with uh, Luke Jones of WNST in Baltimore. It seems like almost every time we've talked over the years, certainly the last couple of years, you know the offensive line has been a topic. Whether it's been injuries, a lot of times it's been injuries, uh, you know, and just you know something always going on there. It seemed like there for a while. What's the status of that group at this point?
1: It's in good shape. And what's one of the, the big storylines that kind of went unnoticed, and, and understandably so? I mean, you have Lamar, you have a defense that's playing at such a high level, but the Ravens came out of their early December bye week, and they did something that's almost unheard of. They rotate their offensive tackles, not, not position to position, but Ronnie Stanley, their left tackle, Morgan Moses, their right tackle. They actually have two reserve tackles, Patrick McCarry and Daniel Falalele who actually rotate in. Now, it's not a 50-50 split. Let's be clear about that. But they have spelled those guys for a series or two here or there. Sometimes it's been as much as 50%, depending on, on how the game flow uh, is in that specific matchup. But they've done that because Stanley and Moses both had injuries over the course of the season. Both have played banged up. And, and it's something that they did. Uh, And it worked out really well for them. So I I thought Stanley came out after the bye week and and played his best game of the season. I I think pro football focus even graded him uh, his highest game of the season. But he played really well if you just watch the tape. Uh, And and Morgan Morgan Moses played well uh, also. So their offensive line's healthier. I I think the bye week, maybe more than any other position group uh, on their roster, probably benefited the most there because Kevin Zeitler, their standout right guard, uh, had a, a bad knee, a quad injury right at the end of uh, December that he missed a game or two there. So those guys needed some rest, but they came out and they played really well uh, against the tough Houston defensive front. And uh, it's going to be a key for them again uh, as they go up against the Kansas City front that features Chris Jones. So uh, th- their offensive line's in a good place, but they've gotten to this place through some unconventional means, like I said, rotating those offensive tackles a little bit.
0: So, looking ahead to Sunday, what should the Ravens be most concerned about facing uh, the much-improved Chiefs defense?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Chiefs, you look at their secondary, you look at how they've played from a pass defense standpoint, I think it's interesting. Steve Spagnuolo, their defensive coordinator, of course, he coached with John Harbaugh all the way back in their days in Philadelphia. He was in Baltimore Mm. a couple years for about a decade ago. And Harbaugh quipped that the current Ravens defensive system Steve Spagnola contributed to that, but then he went on to say he's also noticed that Kansas city defense has taken some elements of Mike McDonald's defense here over the last couple of years. Uh, okay. So it, 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 yeah. So it is a Kansas city defense that you know has a good pass, pass front, you know, pass rushing front. Uh, Chris Jones anchoring that at defensive tackle. Uh, I think their secondary is really good. Uh, so I, I think that's, you know, the Ravens certainly have to be uh, aware of their abilities there and they've got to make good decisions with the football. Lamar can't hold it too long. Uh, as was the case in the first half uh, against Houston, but I think where it helps them, though, Kansas City, the vulnerability of their defense is in their run defense. And well, when you have Lamar Jackson uh, running the football, you know it's been a different running game for the Ravens uh, than it was under Greg Roman, where you know just about everything they did worked uh, under Greg Roman running the football. It was always the passing game being the the exception. But you know this is a little more situational for them. Lamar. Still, you know, still runs the show as it pertains to their run. He's scrambling more frequently than he did in the past where it was more designed runs. But, you know, they're running backs that had injuries. They're not quite as stout uh, when you look at them between the tackles. But the Ravens, with their passing game, with play action, with Lamar's scrambling ability, you know, they've still had the number one rushing offense in the NFL. So uh, Chiefs, you know, their pass defense certainly poses a challenge. But I do have my question whether they're going to be able to stop the run over the course of 60 minutes, which has really been difficult for teams here against the Ravens down the stretch.
0: Mark Andrews uh, is a Phoenix area high school product. Uh, he practiced last week, was on, inactive on game day. Uh, is he on schedule to play this week? And if he does play, what would you be expecting from him?
1: I think he is going to play. I mean, I, I I even wrote late last week that Mark Andrews was either going gonna, either gonna to play in the divisional round or the Ravens have done a really good job making it look like he was going to play in the divisional round. But the reality was you know, he, he had major ankle surgery just two months ago. Uh, he even said this was very similar to uh, the Terrell Owens injury from going back 20 years ago with the Eagles. You know, that's what I guess a fibula, not technically not an ankle. But uh, he's, he's on track. I, I think he's absolutely going to give it a go this week. Uh, I think what's going to be interesting, uh, as you asked, how how much will we see him on the field? Because Isaiah Likely, his understudy has been arguably yeah. the Raven's best pass-catching target down the stretch. So, And statistically, he has been. So I would expect we're going to see Andrews on more of a pitch count. I think some key third downs. Red zone makes all the sense in the world. Uh, and I think they'll kind of go from there. I mean, he's last week in practice, and they're going to get on the practice field here in a little, you know, a, this afternoon and and, and all of that. Uh, But, you know, you can still tell he's not 100%, but he's moving around pretty well. And and I think he's the kind of guy that wants to get out there. They want to have him out there. He'll demand attention because that's just uh, who he is and has been for five years now. Uh, So, you know, does he play 15, 20 snaps? Maybe a little more, depending on how the game flow is. You know, we'll see. But I definitely expect him to give it a go. Uh, He's worked too hard over the last couple months uh, to not give him a chance to, to suit up and see if he can contribute, even if it's just as a decoy against, like I said, a pretty tough Kansas City pass defense.
0: Talk with Luke Jones at WNST.net in Baltimore. Okay, I remember when we talked back uh we previewed the Ravens in July. Uh we talked about the defense. There were some questions. Really the pass rush was the biggest one, which seems kind of a stupid idea now because <laughs> they've <laughs> been unbelievable. Yeah. But you know, that that unit has obviously produced really historic numbers in some case uh some cases this year. How's uh, you mentioned Mike McDonald, how how has he gotten the most out of this group?
1: It's really been impressive because it's not as though they've They've been free of injuries. I mean, Marlon Humphrey, their top corner, who did not play this past week, we're going to see what his practice level is this week. He's missed eight games this year. Uh, I mean, he's a three-time Pro Bowl corner. So missing their top defensive back, they missed uh, Marcus Williams, their free safety for a number of games earlier in the year. Uh, They've had some other injuries here and there. But I think what's been so impressive about this defense is Mike McDonald has taken a defense that Wink Martindale had a lot of success with, that Dean Pease, the, the defensive coordinator before then, had success with. And he's kind of optimized it. And, and what I mean by that is you know, the Ravens are still a team that clearly uh, tries to produce pressure. You know, They don't have these amazing 20-sack edge rushers like a T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett, someone like that. Although Justin Matabike, their, their defensive tackle has emerged yeah. and, and become a stud in that way. But they just do such a good job of scheming up pressure. And they love to use those simulated pressures, where you know you put five or six guys at the line of scrimmage, uh, and they really confuse the quarterback. I mean, you saw uh, C.J. Stroud, who had a phenomenal end of the season as a rookie and going to be offensive rookie of the year and all that. They went to no huddle because they were having su- such trouble giving him clean looks. You know, talking their offense. So, uh, but the Ravens just they use these sim pressures. They still blitz, although not as frequently as they did with Wink Martindale running the show. And, and it's just. It's such a good ensemble effort. I mean, they have guys that sometimes only play eight, nine, ten snaps at any level of the defense, and you'll see those guys make a big splash play, you know, like Arthur Millett, a nickel corner for them who, you know, isn't even their primary nickel corner all the time. You know, he's had some games where he's had a sack, a key pass breakup, and, you know, a a, a tackle for a loss, then you look up and he's played eight snaps you know, over the course of the whole game. So they're just so good. McDonald is so good at recognizing what his players do best and putting them in position to succeed. Uh, and it's not always conventional. Sometimes it's, you know, linebackers blitzing. Sometimes it's a defensive lineman dropping into a hook zone and, and batting down a pass. You know, uh, second guys from the secondary blitzing. Uh, you know, Kyle Hamilton, the, the ultimate Swiss Army knife. Uh, their safety, it's not really a safety, more of a linebacker-nickel hybrid. Uh, they just have all these guys that are so versatile, and McDonald uses them so well, uh, and, and it's resulted in being the best scoring defense in the league, leading the league in sacks. To your point, all the concerns guys like me had about the pass rush look silly now, and uh, and also tie, finishing tied for first in takeaways. I mean, it's just such a dynamic defense, and it's why I've called it their best defense since the days of Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, which is not a compliment I, I toss around there lightly.
0: You mentioned Kyle Hamilton. I was going to get to him next. Yeah, he certainly looked the part when he was at Notre Dame. Uh, how has he become like the best safety in the NFL in that uh, in this quick stretch of time? And almost, uh, you're, you know, he's he's just you know, he's an, a beast out there, quite frankly. And how does uh, how much is his matchup against Travis Kelsey, who kind of emerged? <clears throat> excuse me, who kind of emerged from the dead last week and with two touchdown catches after not having one for eight games? How much does that matchup, uh, Hamilton against Kelsey, play a role in the game on Sunday?
1: I mean, I think it's going to be huge. And I'd also throw Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, their inside linebackers, who will certainly yeah. have some responsibilities uh, as well. I mean, that's going to be so pivotal. We know what Kansas City's wide receiver position looks like beyond Rasheed Rice. So uh, that's that's a given. But I think what's made them so good, with what has made Hamilton so good, really so great so quickly, it really goes back to what I was just saying about Mike McDonald. They have not tried to put him in a box, and I don't mean playing in the box as a box safety. I, what I mean is you're talking about a guy who's six foot four. you know, he's he hits like a linebacker, he can run, you know, he can blitz. You know, we, you see him play at the line of scrimmage, you'll see him play uh, at the second level, you'll see him play a, a deep safety, although that's probably the thing he does the least because they just they like moving him around. He really is, and you, you hear a heard a lot of football analytics types talk in recent years, talking about on defense, wanting to play positionless football. And what that means is basically you have guys that can do anything, and you can kind of line them up anywhere. And Hamilton epitomizes that maybe better than just about anyone in the National Football League right now. So he's just, they've leaned into that They haven't said, oh, well, we just want to make you a deep safety, or, oh, we're just going to make you a box safety, or, you know, even last year, he played almost exclusively nickel last year, because he did struggle a little bit early in the season, but they've just built on that, and he still plays a ton of nickel, and, you know, to to your point, he's going to be so pivotal in covering Kelsey, but he's just so good at so many different things, and the Ravens have said, all right, we're just going to move him around, we're We're not going to keep this guy at one position. Why would we do that Uh, when he can be someone who makes an impact doing three or four or five different things over the course of a game? And I really think they've embraced that and he's embraced that, and it's just resulted in him uh, being such a dynamic player and already an all-pro and heading to the Pro Bowl.
0: Okay, last up, it's only Wednesday, and I know many things can happen between now and Sunday afternoon Uh, What are a couple things that you're going to be paying attention to these next few days, and do you expect the Ravens to win on Sunday?
1: I do expect the Ravens to win, and let's be very clear about this. This is Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, and for so many years, especially playing in the AFC, you saw years where Tom Brady and the New England Patriots wouldn't look so hot come November or December, and you'd say, okay, maybe this is the year that it's finally over, and then, sure enough, uh, I'd be talking about them in the Super Bowl at Radio Row every year because that's just how it works. So understanding that caveat, you know, it's the Ravens have to play uh, close to their best football. They certainly need to play a more complete 60 minutes than they did against Houston last week. And that's even saying that after a 34-10 to victory. But I, I mentioned Kansas City's defense, you know, their, their run defense is more vulnerable. I think that's going to be such a big key for them uh, to figure out a way to contain Lamar. Uh, but do that in a way that's not going to keep, leave you vulnerable to just be gassed with the Ravens steamed up running game. Uh, I, I think on the opposite side, yeah, there's Mahomes. Yeah, there's Travis Kelsey. I, I mentioned Rasheed Rice, who has played at a really high level for them at wide receiver down the stretch. But I think you know, and I haven't mentioned this yet, Kansas City can run the football pretty well. And, and Isaiah Pacheco, uh, you know, I, I know John Harbaugh was very complimentary of him earlier in the week, you know, with his physicality and wanting to get downhill. If there is one, and I say relative weakness, because I don't think it's a bad run defense. Houston couldn't run the football at all against them last week, and that's because the Texans don't have any kind of a running game. So it's not like it's that big of a vulnerability, but relatively speaking for this defense, it has been the run. Teams that have been able to move the ball on them more so than others have been able to do it with their running game. I think back to that. Uh, December game with the Rams, how they came in and they ran the ball really well and they gave the Ravens the toughest game they've had over the second half of the season, you know, an overtime victory uh, on a punt return. So I think for Kansas City a big key is going to be can they get their running game going with Isaiah Pacheco and you know, kind of do to the Ravens what teams have always tried to do against Kansas City, which is keep their offense off the field. So I, I But I think for that to work, and this is where, again, I'll still give the edge to the Ravens. Kansas City, we've seen their their red zone offense. Now, it was better in Buffalo, but even in that that wild card win over Miami, not finishing drives inside the red zone, I think if you're settling for field goals rather than touchdowns against the Ravens, the math's probably not going to add up to a victory at the end. So I think that's such a key for them. I do expect this to be a good game. I think the Ravens need to have the proper amount of respect for the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, But if they do, and if they play, at least close to their best game, uh, I think they're going to be winning and going to Super Bowl 58.
0: Okay, Luke, that's great. I really appreciate it, as always. Have fun, and uh, you know, if they win this, uh, I'm sure we'll be catching up in the next couple of weeks before the big game.
1: Sounds good, Bob. Uh, always glad to talk to you, and yeah, if, uh, if they're uh, playing in Las Vegas, I'll be out there, and we'll uh, certainly catch up.
0: Thanks, Luke. Luke Jones at WNST.net next segment phone call time at 602 260 1060. also we got some bottom line answers from today's pipeline and we'll get through a little local roundup including the suns and the Mavs for tonight uh, but once again phone call time 602 260 1060. general discussion if you want to jump aboard we have plenty of time uh, so stay you know so get in now uh, you're listening to the sports zone with Bob Kemp on S A 1060 and Klexi HD2 100.7.